Jesus' name we pray. I, I want to uh, I want to help somebody tonight, and uh, I guess more specifically, I just want to be a conduit to allow the word of the Lord to help somebody tonight. Amen. How many uh, will allow the word of the Lord to speak to you this evening? Amen. Now, I'll just let you know tonight, uh, we I'm going to need your minds. Uh, it's probably not necessarily a, a, a lesson that you can just kind of, you know, tag in every once in a while and, and, and understand what's going on. You're really going to need to focus with me and stay with me. Amen. How many will just plug into what the Word of the Lord is saying? And uh, you'll just allow the Holy Ghost to talk to you. I, I, want, to, I want to look again at, at what we began this last Sunday. I didn't uh, feel a necessary uh, release from the specific topic of peace uh, that we discussed on Sunday. If you were here, you, you will know, uh, hopefully you'll remember some of what we talked about. But I want to talk tonight about peace within, peace within. And the Lord is going to, the Lord is going to help us. Amen. He's going to help us. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I may know that there is a peace for our challenging times. Obviously, we're in some dark days. We're in some confusing days. But we also know and believe that there is a peace that God can give. Amen. I turn your attention uh, this evening to the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. The word of the Lord speaks to us and says, Therefore, being justified by faith. Because we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God. Somebody say, we have peace with God. Now, the first thing that we need to know is that it is impossible to have the peace of God until we first have peace with God. It's not just semantics. It's not just wordplay. It's very, very important that we understand this. There is a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. For as this verse points out, our peace with God comes about first because of our faith. And what is our faith put into? Our faith is put into our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which, as this verse says, thank you for leaving it up there, as this verse says, it justifies us. It makes us right or just in the sight of God because of what our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it justifies us. That's why the book would say this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We talked about that on Sunday, the gospel of peace. And so when we put our faith into the gospel, when we are obedient to the gospel, we then received peace with God. Somebody said amen. For how many know we once were enemies to God? Come on. You hadn't been saved that long. We once were enemies against God. Why? Because of our sin. Sin, there was a wedge, there was a divide between us and God. We were, we were at odds with God because of the sin that was in our life. But because of our faith and because of our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it brought then about a peace 
between us and God. It brought, it did away with the divide. It did away with the division. We were no longer enemies with God, but now we had peace with God. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, but thanks, or but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. It's talking about the gospel. Verse 18, being then made free from sin. Because you were obedient to the gospel. You repented, were baptized, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You were no longer under the control of sin, but now you were free from the bondage of sin. Now you have become the servants of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. That form of doctrine that, that this verse is referring to, as I just said, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we were obedient to it, again, repented, baptized, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, when we were obedient to the gospel, we were then made free from the bondage of sin that once ruled and reigned in our lives. And now we have become the servants of His righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness. He has made us righteous. He has made us right. And now because of that, we have peace with God. Oh, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, just a little bit more on this and then we'll move forward. But this is, under, this is important for us to understand what happened to us when we were saved, when we were obedient to the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. This is Jesus talking about Jesus and, and that he became sin for us. He went to the cross for us. He took upon our sins, right? He shed his blood for our sins. He who knew no sin, Jesus, in, he never sinned. He was sinless. He was blameless. But he took upon himself my sin and he took upon himself your sin that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God in him. So when we get in him through the gospel, through the name being applied to our lives and his name coming on us and us getting in him through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we are then made to be the righteousness of God. So in other words, everything that was wrong about humanity because of our sins has now been made right or righteous because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we have been obedient to the gospel, God now views us as being righteous. Oh, hallelujah. And because we are, have been made righteous, because we are in him, we now have peace with him. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When we obey the gospel, when we become, that is when we become new creatures, the Bible speaks of here, this new man, this new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And this new man that we have become through obedience to the gospel is created in righteousness or it now possesses the righteousness of God. So our obedience to the gospel is what gives us 
peace with God. We are now in right standing with God. His righteousness has covered over all of that which has previously brought enmity between us and him. And we now have peace with God. Somebody said amen. So we understand that. Gospel, peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we can now experience the peace of God. You see, this is why the world can't experience true peace. Because they've never been obedient to the gospel and have received his righteousness and have had peace with God. So they can never experience the peace of God. But when we are obedient, we can now experience the peace of God. For the book, the word of the Lord speaking prophetically of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would say this in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 13. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars. Now just, it's, he's, he's painting a word picture here. He's not actually talking about actual land necessarily, but he's talking about, he's talking about a people. He's talking about individuals. And he's, he's painting a word picture here of a very, very desolate place. He says, upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. So in all the houses that used to be filled with joy, now briars are going to grow and weeds are going to grow up in that which was once joyous. Verse 14, because the palaces shall be forsaken, the high places, the, the, the places of, of, uh, of power and all this kind of stuff, they're going to be forsaken. The multitude of the city shall be left, the forts and the towers, those Places that used to be these strongholds in the city shall be for dens forever, for, for different animals it's talking about here. It's, it's, they once were these powerful fortresses, but now it's nothing more than dens for wild animals. And so he's painting here a picture of a desolate city and a desolate land. But he's doing it in order to portray the desolation that occurs in a life that is without the presence of God. A life that is without the Spirit of God in it. How many know that that is a desolate place? And so he's painting this word picture of this place of desolation, of a life that is without Christ, without the Spirit of God in it. But then it says this in the next verse, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15. Until, so all this has happened, it's desolate, it's bad, it's bleak and it's dark. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, Isaiah didn't even really understand fully what he was talking about here. But he's prophetically speaking of a day that would come called the day of Pentecost. When the people would be filled, the mankind could be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness be a fruitful field. And the fruitful field be counted for a forest. It's talking about that, that land that was desolate and dark and nothing was there. And once the Spirit of God is poured upon it, then it's going to begin to grow fruit again and be fruitful land again. Verse 16, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and the righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Ready? Now watch verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be what? When righteousness begins to work, it works peace. And the effect of righteousness 
is going to be quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in a sure dwelling and in quiet resting places. Oh, hallelujah. So it's saying here now that a life that was once desolate and broken and torn down and filled with despair has now been obedient to the gospel and it has been filled with the Spirit of God. And the infilling of His Spirit has produced righteousness. Right? Our obedience to the gospel has made us righteous. Everybody following me? Which has brought me to a place and you to a place of having peace with God. But then that righteousness that we now have through our obedience to the gospel begins to work in our lives. And what does it work? It works peace. When righteousness begins to work its work in the heart's of those who have been obedient to the gospel, it produces and works and constructs in those lives peace in our hearts and in our homes and in our minds. Because I am now and you are now in right standing with God. Peace with God. We are now in right standing with God. That righteousness then begins to work the peace of God. Oh, hallelujah. Into every fiber of my living. Oh, hallelujah. That righteousness begins to work peace into every part of my life. That's why the book would say this in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness. And what comes after righteousness? Peace and joy. And where do you find it? In the Holy Ghost. For when we are filled with the Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we first receive His righteousness, which then is released to begin to work its work, which is to put peace into our lives. Peace always follows righteousness. So we see that when we obey the gospel and get the peace with God, then that releases the peace of God to begin flowing in our Hearts, minds, homes, relationships, finances. See, that's why the book in, the book would refer to it when it says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself, not somebody else, because nobody else but him can give peace. Himself give you peace always. Oh, hallelujah. That word always there means we can have peace at all times. Not, 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 just, not just when everything's going good. Not just when, you know, all the doctor's reports have come back good. Not just when we got a bunch of money in the bank. No, we can have peace always. See, because it's not, a, it's not the kind of peace that the world has to offer that you can only experience when everything's going well. 
No, no, this is, this is the peace that only God can give. And this kind of peace comes when we're in right standing with him and it is a peace that'll sustain us through every storm and it'll be a peace that'll be with us through every battle and every situation. It's not just a peace that'll help us through some things, but it's going to help us through everything. It's not just a peace that can only help us through the small issues of life, but he said, I, I give you peace always. It don't matter what you're, come on somebody, it don't matter what you're facing, doesn't matter what you're, somebody needs to hear this right now, it doesn't matter what you're going through because you're in right standing with God. You have the ability to experience the peace of God. Mm. It's going to help us. The peace of God, the peace of God. And that's why the book would say it like this, this kind of peace that comes no matter what, no matter what we're going through, we can have this peace. And that's why the book would say this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be careful. That word careful means anxious or fearful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be fearful about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and keep your minds through Christ Jesus. We need to know tonight that if we'll just pray about the issue and put our faith and our confidence in the Lord, then it's God's will for you and I to have the peace of God in every situation, even in the situations that don't seem like we should have any peace at all. There's a peace that passeth all understanding. I don't know why I've got peace. I'm walking down a road I shouldn't have peace in. I'm going through a dark time that everybody else would have wrung their hands and threw in the towel and ran away in fear. But for some reason, I got peace in my life. What is it? You first got peace with God, but now you're receiving the peace of God. The righteousness of God that he placed upon you is beginning to work its work in you and you have peace through the storms. Come on, somebody put your hands together if you believe what I'm preaching. I didn't complete the verse because it says, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. But it doesn't stop. By all means. By all means is a phrase that speaks of in all places. This is important for somebody to hear tonight. It's the will of God for you and I to have peace always in every area. Of our lives. In every place of our life. It's not the will of God to give us peace in most areas. It's the will of God to give us peace in all areas. So don't settle for anything less than what the Bible has promised to you. Feel that word for somebody right now. Well, I got peace in most areas of my life, but there's this, this, this one area of my life that you know, I don't really want to talk about, I don't really want to deal with. It's pretty hurtful and painful, and I don't have any peace in that area, but if I just ignore it long enough, it'll go away. No, it won't. The Word of the Lord is trying to help you to understand He can give you peace in all areas of your life. Mm. Always, at all times, and in all places 
of our living. It's the will of God to give us peace. And we don't have to settle for anything less than that. But even though, let's flip the, flip the coin here. Even though it's the will of God for his people to walk in peace in every area of their life, at all times of their life, I mean, know that that's not always how it happens. Come on now. And so the question is why? Why, Brother Ron, if, if this is what God has promised to us, if this is what he has promised to his people, then why are there some areas of my life and some areas of your life that are not experiencing the peace of God in them like the word promises us that they could be seen. And I believe one answer to that question is found in the word of the Lord. And this specific thing is what I want to talk about for the remainder of our time together tonight. Look at it a couple of different ways. But one answer to that question is found, I believe, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Do them. And when you do them, ready? The God of peace shall be with you. So get this now. The God of peace or the release of peace will be with us in every area of our life where we are doing that which we have learned, received, heard, and seen modeled to us as it relates to God and His Word. Oh, hallelujah. You see, it's one thing to get up and preach and scream about peace, you know. You're going to have peace. But how many know, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but sometimes people, they'll shout about it. And we shout about stuff we don't actually have. And we get all excited and emotional about something, but we don't actually possess it. Why is it? Why is it that we don't possess this peace that God is talking to us about? Well, it's many times it's because we're not doing. You see, and, and, and the doing is where it gets tricky. The doing is where it gets a little tough. Come on, somebody. You know, if I could just shout about peace, I'll shout about it. That's easy. Right? Talk about peace, I'll jump up and down a little bit, clap my hands a little bit, run around the building a little bit. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful about peace. But to actually receive peace, it requires some doing, and the doing is sometimes where we get a little resistant. The doing, the doing. For Ready? Peace can only reign where righteousness rules. If you don't get anything else, just write that down. And the righteousness that we're talking about now isn't necessarily speaking of the righteousness that only comes from God at our salvation. But now we're talking about our personal decision to submit to the Word and to live right or righteous. Right? Right? To live right, to talk right, 
to think right, to do right. Righteous, to live righteously is now a decision that you and I have the ability to choose whether we're going to do it or not. So there is some doing on our part that must be done in order to, re to release the peace of God into our lives in that area. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I'm, I'm going to help. If you'll listen, I'm going to help you. In fact, let me show you how closely the doing of that which is right or righteousness and peace are tied together. Let me show you how closely they're tied together. Ready? Psalms 85 and 9. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Verse 10, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There is such a powerful closeness and connection between righteousness or right living and peace that the scripture would describe it as being as close as a kiss. There, there is a direct bond between righteousness and peace. There is an inseparable connection between righteousness and peace. So I say again, peace can only reign in a life where righteousness rules. The peace of God, the peace of God is only allowed to flow into the life of one that, is, that has submitted itself to the doing of that which is right. Mm. And not according to what they think is right, but according to what God says is right. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, every area we are submitted to the righteousness of God will be an area where peace will reign. In Jesus' name. Am I helping anybody right now? And conversely, every area in our lives where we are not willing to do what is right. In the sight of God, in according to the word of the Lord, is an area where peace cannot flow. Cannot flow. The book would say it like this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they are at, that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So to do that which our carnal man wants to do, to do that which our carnal will wants to accomplish, only produces death, destruction, darkness in that particular area of our living. But to do that which is spiritual, to do that which is righteous, will produce the peace of God in that particular area of our life. So it is all about our willingness it is all about our desire, our submission to do that which is right that is going to release the peace of God into that area of our lives. Stop blaming the devil. Somebody hear me right now. 
Well, the devil just came in and did this, and the devil did that, and I don't have no peace because of the devil. And No. The devil has no power. He can't take your peace from you. He doesn't have the ability to take your peace from you. But when we become unsubmitted to that which is right, then peace ceases because there is a connection between righteousness and peace. Listen, listen. And I, I promise, I'm, I'm, I don't have anybody in mind right now. I'm just I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to be mean at all. But I want you to understand something. Somebody can counsel us 24 hours a day, seven days a week about a certain area of our life where we lack peace. And a preacher can preach a 27-part series on exactly what we need to do in order to experience peace in that particular area of our life. But if we do not listen to that counsel, if we do not submit ourselves to that counsel, to that biblical counsel, that biblical teaching, if we do not do what the counsel and the teaching has instructed us to do from the word of the Lord, then it will be impossible for you and I to ever walk in real peace in that particular area. And that's not God's fault. And that's not the pastor's fault. And that's not the church's fault. It's the person's fault for not being willing to submit themselves to the counsel and the teaching of the word of the Lord. Because if they would have listened, peace would have flowed into their lives in that area. But because they don't submit and do, do, do what is right, peace is withheld from them. So, we, we don't, don't go blaming God when destruction and darkness comes into that area of your life that we don't want to be obedient in. Don't go blaming the pastor or the church when our lack of peace becomes more than what we can handle. Come on, somebody. It's not their fault. They've preached to you. They've taught you. They've instructed you. They've they've. they've done everything they could possibly do, at some point, you're going to have to do something yourself, which is to be obedient to the righteousness that is found in the word of the Lord and do what is right. I see, I see people half backslid, haven't been in church for months. Obviously nobody in the room. Half backslid, haven't been in church for months, putting prayer requests in that God would give them peace in certain areas of their lives. The truth is this. The church could go on a 72-hour prayer chain and it wouldn't change a thing. You saying prayer don't work? No, prayer works. 
But at the end of the day, you and I have been given a free will. And the church can pray all they want, but it's not going to change anything if that person doesn't want to start doing what is right. Oh, hallelujah. You can't just live how you want to live and be half backslidden, you know, about as spiritual as that wall and then expect peace. You can't because there was a connection between righteousness and peace. If we want to live unrighteously, then we're going to uh, receive that which unrighteousness has to offer. But if we want to live righteously, then we get to experience that which righteousness has to offer, which is peace. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. You know, like, let's just take a for instance. And there's, there's so many things we, we could talk about, but I, I'm just a couple of for instances. You know, when somebody comes up to me and asks, you know, Pastor, you know, pray for my finances. Pray for my finances. Pray for peace in my finances. In the context of this message, you know, pray for peace in, in my finances. One of the first things I ask them, are you paying your tithes? Are you giving your tithes? Are you giving your offerings unto the Lord? You know, because why? Why? Because, listen, if, you know, I can't, peace can't flow into the life of a robber. Right? And we rob God by the not giving of our tithes and offerings. It's just, that's the Bible. And so it's, it's impossible. It's impossible for me to say, God, release peace into their finances. God's not going to do it. I'm wasting my time praying the prayer. And so what I should do is just, you know, Talk to him a little bit about, hey, why aren't you giving your tithes? What's the issue here? What's the problem here? Is there a trust issue here? Is there a faith issue? What's the problem? It's not a financial issue. It's never a, fi- nah. it's never a financial issue when it comes to people who don't give tithes and offerings. It's never because they don't have enough money. It's because they think they don't have. So it's a lack of trust. And it's a lack of faith. And you're getting me off topic. I am right, Sister Vera. So, but look, look at what the Bible. Let, 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 me, let, me, help, let me help somebody else right now who, who you, you, you're, you're asking prayer frequently to experience peace in your mind and peace in your thoughts. It just seems like you, you, you just... You're always needing prayer for peace in your mind and peace in your thoughts. I'm going to help you. The book says this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and what? Minds. Through Christ Jesus. So his peace will keep your mind. So your mind will be kept in perfect peace. Now, Is that a promise from the word of the Lord? Can the word of the Lord lie? No. God absolutely can and will keep our hearts, keep our minds in perfect peace. And that's something only he can do. Right? But there is something we must do that will release him to continue doing what only he can do. Which is to keep our minds in perfect peace. 
How do we release him to continue keeping our minds in perfect peace? The very next verse tells us. Philippians 4.8, the very next verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How is God able to continue keeping our minds in perfect peace? He is released. He is released to do so because you and I become willing to be obedient to these verses as it applies to what we will allow ourselves to think about. I'm trying to help somebody right now who, who, who always... I'm trying to help you to move beyond, to move beyond the pattern where you come down to an altar, get a touch from God, speak in tongues, get a blessing from the Lord, shout a little bit, pray a little bit, and and you walk in peace in your mind for about two or three days. But then after about two or three days, you revert right back to a mind that is filled with fear and anxiety and worry. Why do you do this? Why do we do that? It's not that God can't keep our mind. In perfect peace. It's not that God didn't do a good job. It's not that God failed or that God lacked in some way. That you know what? He kept my mind in perfect peace for about three days. But for that fourth day, he started getting a little weak. And by the fifth day, I was back to being bound by fear. No, it's not God at all. It's that we're not being obedient to the word of the Lord and doing, doing what the word of the Lord tells us to do. For if we would only think about the things this book tells us to think about, then our minds would stay in perfect peace. Oh, hallelujah. Hmm. I'm telling you, the book is either true or it's not. If we would only think about those things right there, And not allow our thoughts to move beyond that which is covered in that verse right there. Then he could keep our minds in perfect peace. And we wouldn't just have to live in peace in our minds for a few days. But we could live victoriously in our minds. Week after week after month after month after year. But we have to do something. Hallelujah. There's so much more to all of this. But listen, people, listen, people are, you know, people struggle and they come, they're like, Pastor, I'm just really struggling, I'm just really struggling. It's like, okay, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, I, I haven't prayed in a long time. Okay, so I'm not going to, I'm not necessarily, I can't pray peace into that area of your life. But guess what? If you would start a relationship with Jesus Christ for yourself and start doing some of the things you have heard preached a million times, counseled to you a million times, right? Things you know to do, things that you have learned, things that you have been taught, things that have been modeled to you by parents or ministers or saints of God. If we would just start doing these things, 
Well, my, you know, flesh, I, you know, the, the enemy, the enemy's just after me, and I just can't seem to ever get victorious in this area of my life. And, you know, just flesh just keeps rising up. And, you know, we keep blaming the devil, but really it's flesh. And then we ask, okay, are you, when's the last time you fasted? Well, you know, I haven't fasted in years. And then we wonder why flesh is out of control. And we like to blame it on the devil, but it's not the devil, it's flesh. Come on, somebody. Right? And so what, what kind of difference do you think it would make in our walk with God if we would do prayer? If we would do fasting? If we would do Bible reading? Bible study? If we would do giving? If we would do sacrifice, if we would do ministry, if we would do faithfulness. Not just talk about it, not just amen it when somebody preaches about it, not just clap our hands when somebody says something about it, but actually do it. I get, I get frustrated with my life and I get frustrated you know, with maybe other people's lives, but let's just talk about my life. But I get, I get frustrated when there's areas of my life that I know don't have to be that way if I would just do what I know to do. Oh, hallelujah. Because when we do it, it releases, that's righteousness. Doing what is right is righteousness. Right living, right acting. And righteousness and peace are inseparable. So when we do what we know to do, the peace of God will flow into that area of our lives. Psalm chapter 85 and verse 7. Anybody being helped tonight? Psalms 85 and 7. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. And he will speak peace unto his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. The inference here is that the Lord will absolutely speak peace into the lives of his people unless they turn back to their folly or unless they turn back to living in the manner that they used to live, doing the things that they used to do. Why? Because as long as they're living righteously, he can speak peace into their lives. But the moment that they return back to that which is unrighteous is the moment when his peace will have to cease. Hallelujah. And this is exactly what happens for people will live right in, in, in a particular area of their life for a period of time and they'll experience the peace of God in their life because of righteous living. But then they allow themselves to begin to, to revert back to old habits to old thoughts, to old patterns. And once they go back, they're no longer living righteously and the presence of God is forced to be withheld or the peace of God is forced to be withheld from them. And it's not because God is cruel and it's not because God is vengeful and it's not because God is vindictive. It's because there are certain spiritual laws. There are certain biblical laws that governs how God interacts with mankind. And to break those laws would cause God to become a liar, something he cannot do. And one of those laws is the connection between us walking in righteousness and the peace of God operating fully in our lives. 
Oh, hallelujah. So this is what I really feel to tell somebody as I close. As I close. Instead of praying for peace in a certain area of your life, why don't we start praying for the reason why we don't have peace in that area in the first place? If we don't have peace, we can't just pray and say, God, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace, because more than likely there's a reason why we don't have peace. Does that make sense? All throughout the Old Testament, we find the Hebrew people experiencing drought and famine and attacks from the enemy. But in most cases, the reason they were experiencing all of those things was because there were certain areas of their lives that they were not doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Right? And because they weren't doing what was right in the sight of the Lord, drought. Because they weren't doing what was right in the sight of the Lord, famine. Because they weren't doing what was right in the sight of the Lord, attacks from the enemy. And they could pray for rain all they wanted to pray, but rain wasn't coming. And they could pray for a harvest all day long, but harvest wasn't coming. And they could pray for protection all they wanted, but protection wouldn't come. And it was not because God did not want to release those things into their lives, but rather it was because God could not into their life. So instead of trying to get relief from the drought, they should have asked God why they were in the drought to begin with. Mm. And it's the will of God as I close. It's the will of God for somebody to stop praying for God to give you peace in that area where you lack peace and start praying for what you need to do to do to do according to the word of the Lord to do that which is right in order that the peace of God can then be released into your life. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody, let's stand, let's stand. Our world is crying out for peace. People in the church are crying out for peace. But here's the reality. There is a true biblical pathway to experience real peace. But we have to be willing to do what we need to do in order to get there. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, some people just like the attention. You know, the chaos in their world, the struggles in their mind, the issues that they're going through, they like to share it with people and talk about it with people. And for some weird reason, whatever kind of phobias and Issues that they have in their thinking, you know, to share it with somebody. It's, it's a sort of an attention thing. And those kind of people probably, it's going to be difficult for that person to experience real peace. Because they're using these things as 
a method of attention. And the attention is on them, and so they don't really want anything to change. Right? They don't want anything to change because they like the attention they get. But there's also other people that they truly want peace. They want real peace. They want real peace. And you got to understand, real peace doesn't come through emotionalism. It doesn't come through hype. Hear me now. Real peace doesn't come because we shout about it and dance about it. And, well, I shouted all over the church and I got the peace that I needed. Okay. Now, can you keep the peace? God gave it to you. Now, can you keep it? Okay. But here's the deal. On Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, Oregon's not going to be playing. Drums aren't going to be playing. You're not going to be surrounded by, you know, 100 other apostolics that are worshiping. It's just going to be you. Are you willing to do what we need to do in order to keep our minds in peace? Are we going to be willing to get up in the morning and pray? Are we going to be willing to read our word? Are we going to be willing to do the things that God has called us to do? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And I almost feel a little, I'm fighting some stuff here. You got to understand, listen, if, if, if your mind is bombarded with fear, stop, stop, get off social media, turn the TV off, stop feeding your mind with all that stuff. Stop feeding your mind with all that that is unrighteous and ungodly and worldly and carnal. Get, listen to worship music. Get into the word of the Lord. Get the Bible on your app and just play the word of the Lord. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do, to do, to do. You got to do something. You're not just going to magically have peace one day. I'm trying to help somebody right now. Well, if I can just go to church on Sunday, I'll magically have peace. If I just shout about it, I'll just have peace. That's not how it works. If you want real peace, there's some stuff you got to be willing to do. And if you're not willing to do it, then it, it kind of shows how bad you want it. Right? You know, don't give me all this stuff how bad you want peace. And, you don't, and we don't pray for three weeks on end. We must not pe one piece too bad. Oh, that's right. Am I right? What we're willing, the, the lengths we're willing to do, the actions we're willing to take, show us how badly we really want peace in our hearts, our minds, whatever. So we got to be willing to do these things. Jesus' name. Why don't somebody, wouldn't we just lift our hands? Can we do that?